This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, I'm John Donvan, host and moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S., and it is graduation season. A time for high school seniors to look back and celebrate their formative years before embarking on the next step of their academic journey, college. But not every graduating senior attends college, and perhaps not everyone should. With unemployment for those with bachelor's degrees still at an all-time high and student loan debt surpassing credit card debt, it begs the question of whether it's really all worth it. And it calls to mind a debate we had on October 12, 2011, where the motion being debated was, too many kids go to college. The team arguing for the motion is tech entrepreneur and PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel and his partner Charles Murray, who is author of American Enterprise Institute's article, Are Too Many People Going to College? The team arguing against the motion is Henry Bynan, president emeritus at Northwestern University, and his partner, entrepreneur-turned-academic Vivek Wadwa. Peter Thiel opens the debate by questioning the absolutism of seeking a college degree. Thank you. Well, let me actually just uh, start with that, uh, that question. I, you know, I went to Stanford undergrad, Stanford Law School. Uh, throughout the 90s, I had a belief that education was absolutely paramount. We should only hire people who went to the best schools, and we discriminated on this basis very aggressively in hiring at PayPal and I, I thought this was the, the most important thing um, in our society. And over the last four or five years, I've gradually come to uh, shift my views on it uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, uh, the narrow technology context in Silicon Valley is that I saw so many very talented people who had not gone through college tracks and who had still done uh, extraordinarily well. In some ways, they were often more creative. They were not laden down with these enormous college uh, debts that uh, were somehow uh, forcing people to take uh, better-paying jobs that were um, more remunerative but more boring and track them into things that were not as uh, interesting or important and that were discouraging people from doing things in nonprofit work or uh, on the more entrepreneurial side. And this has become a more and more acute issue over the years because unlike the time when I went to college, the cost has gone up tremendously. The amount of debts people leave college with, with have gone up tremendously. And so the choices are very different from the ones people had 25 years ago. Uh, the college costs in um, nominal dollars have gone up by more than a factor of 10 since 1980. Even after inflation, it's gone up by 300%, costs about four times as much. Inflation adjusted to go to college now as it did 30 years ago. It's gone up more than anything else in our society, more than health care, more than housing, more than any of a number of other things we think of as uh, having been subject to runaway cost inflation and escalation. And as I've looked outside of just the narrow Silicon Valley entrepreneurial context, I've come to believe that the problem is much broader, that it's not just the most talented people who are perhaps being misdirected and encouraged to go on a very narrow tracked career, but that this is a broader problem and that we are in fact experiencing something of a bubble in education, a bubble that is as pernicious as the bubbles we had in uh, technology in the 90s and housing in the 2000s. And like those two other bubbles, it is characterized by two things. Number one, runaway costs, where people are paying more and more 
for something where the quality hasn't gone up. In the, in the 90s, it was tech stocks. In the 2000s, it was housing. Education, I'm not saying it's worse than it was 30 years ago, but I don't think it's gotten much better. And secondly, by an incredible psychosocial dynamic where you cannot question it. And in 99, in Silicon Valley, you couldn't question the NASDAQ valuations. And in 2005, um, you could not question people buying houses. It was strictly taboo and forbidden. Uh, and in the same way, uh, this is the one thing people still really believe in our society. And to question um, the value of education is like questioning uh, the existence of Santa Claus with uh, three-year-old uh, kids or something like that. Um, and while uh, we're not trying to scare the children here or anything like that, we do think that uh, we cannot afford to have a third bubble in this country. And when we look at education more carefully, there are a lot of worrisome signs. Student debts at this point total over a trillion dollars. And when you look at how well people are doing who come out of college, uh, they are still doing pretty well. They're still doing better than they used to. But the outperformance has been going down. It's been going down since about 2000. And uh, you know, the law school context I'm quite familiar with, there are about 50,000 people a year who graduate from law school in the U.S. There only are 30,000 legal jobs available in the U.S. Uh, Pre-med. Only about 9% of the people who study pre-med have slots available to them in medical school. The other 91% are wasting their time. And somebody should have told them that their freshman or sophomore year and not waited till their senior year or several years of post-college to figure that sort of stuff out. And in fact, when people say, as our opponents do, that it is an absolute good or an absolute necessity, you start ignoring all these problematic facts. You start uh, making a lot of catastrophic approximations that abound. And that's what we want to sort of push back a little bit. If I had to do something over again, having gone to Stanford, I probably would still go to college, even with the higher costs. But one thing I would try to do very differently is not accept the answer that this was the automatic thing and not simply have more education be the automatic default answer for everything. The question we want to push the other side back on a little bit is if education is an absolute good or absolute necessity, who is accountable if there's a mistake? And if these people are taking on these enormous debts and are getting it wrong, where can they go to get a refund? Peter Thiel, your time is up. Thank you Thank very you. much. Our motion is too many kids go to college. And here to speak against the motion, Henry Beenan. He is president emeritus of Northwestern University. And Henry, in the nearly 15 years that you were there, the school increased its endowment 15 times. The sports team won more titles. Applications skyrocketed. You launched a Center for Nanofabrication and Molecular Self-Assembly. Let Harvard eat that, right? <laughs> Henry Beeman. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, this is an important debate. It's about the American dream. It's about social mobility and American democracy. Because the answer to the question as to whether too many kids go to college is fundamentally about what kind of a society we hope to create. Sure, some dropouts make it big, but social and economic policy should be informed by data and analysis, not anecdotal individual life histories, no matter how compelling. Most people are not Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. We should not misread particular circumstances at particular moments of time as an indication of likely long outcomes. The argument that too many people are going to college is not new. In his youth, Richard Freeman, a Harvard economist, argued this. In the overeducated American in 1976, he was wrong then, and our opponents are wrong now. And by the way, he's changed his mind. We now have studies and lots of information 
which should persuade anyone with an open mind that more years of school, post-secondary, are positively correlated with earnings over one's lifetime and also correlated with uh, lower rates of unemployment and shorter duration being unemployed when a higher degree is not obtained. 4.3% of college graduates are currently unemployed, more than triple that number of high school uh, students or high school dropouts are unemployed. This is very compelling. There's a clear wage premium to education. There's also a social premium to society, not just to individuals. Society benefits through greater productivity, lower crime, better health, better citizenship from more educated people. And the wage premium to education has been growing since the 1980s, not shrinking. The question to be decided is whether it's true that too many kids go to college. Fact, in 2010, about 66% of the United States population between 25 and 30 had some college experience. The rest were high school grads or high school dropouts. It's hardly the case that everyone or too many are pouring into college. We need more, not fewer, college graduates. In his articles, Mr. Murray argues that too many people are going to college and I feel he believes in innate qualities. He uses a language like, he does not have it in him. But how does he know this? What measures does he have for a great understanding of cognitive abilities or their impacts? He believes, I think, that abilities are fixed. It's a highly stratified view of the world and people's places in it, and I don't share it. True, plenty of people who do graduate high school are not college ready. We know this in Chicago. But low college graduation rates and dropouts cannot be attributed everywhere and completely to individuals' intelligence or competence. Even some qualified students in high school may not attain two or four-year degrees within six to eight years because of their, in, their lack of resources, which compels them to leave and drop out. No doubt, some people don't have the smarts or the personality skills to succeed, but for many, their environment and pre-college school systems have played a big role in not preparing them. Mr. Thiel has acknowledged the correlation in his own writings between college attendance and higher income, but he doubts the direction of causation. That is, college may pay off for some people because smarter people go to it. In my view, whatever the direction of causation, you can learn skills at college and improve your life chances. And by the way, we have lots of studies, including studies of twins that Alan Kruger and others have done, which shows you can isolate the college experience itself among all the other variables which count, and college does make a difference. Now, high school vocational alternatives are there, but they're widely regarded as second best by the general public. Polls show that most Americans agree that everyone does not need to go to college. They support alternatives for other people's children. I wonder if those in favor of the proposition want their own children or relatives to not go to college. Mr. Thiel, Mr. Murray, all the trend lines show a shift in the U.S. economy and its labor force towards more people requiring post-secondary education because growth industries require post-secondary education. We've hollowed out industrial jobs. The clear wage premium for college graduates is growing. It skyrocketed in the 1980s and 1990s. Advanced degree holders did vastly better, and their advantage continues to hold up. And by the way, for women, that wage premium is even higher than for men. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S. The motion is, too many kids go to college. Stay with us. 
So a reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. You have heard the first two speakers, and now on to the third. Charles Murray is the uh, W.H. Brady Scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. And Charles, you uh, rather famously said that it was thanks to an SAT exam in 1961 and your fabulous score that you were able to get out of a small town in Iowa. That's what I thought at the time. And into Harvard. Well, I want to come back to that. So you went to Harvard. You did well in the liberal arts environment. I I want to know where you are now on the SAT that got you out of Iowa. Oh, I've now uh, recommended we abolish the SAT because it turns out that if they give an achievement test, I probably would have gotten into Harvard that way too. And the SAT as it now exists is taken on a really bad penumbra. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Murray. I think we better get the topic straight. Uh, When I agreed to debate on too many kids are going to college, I thought of college as being four-year colleges leading to the BA. I didn't think of it as a whole range of uh, community colleges and the rest. Anyway, that's the way I'm going to argue tonight. Uh, Because if the proposition were that too many kids are trying to get more education and training after high school, I I wouldn't have accepted uh, the position on the affirmative. Almost everybody needs more education after high school. What they don't need is to chase after this fraudulent, destructive, antediluvian thing called a BA. The thesis of my argument really is that the BA is the work of the devil. Um, (laughs) Let's go through each of those accusations. Uh, First, fraudulent. The BA is supposed to signify, in a very old-fashioned term, that you are an educated man, now an educated person. You know and I know that it doesn't represent that anymore. If the only thing you know about a person is that that person has a BA, you don't know anything. You can talk to employers all over the country who will tell you about applicants who have BAs, who can't write grammatical sentences uh, in their applications and sometimes can't read very well. Knowing what major a person had doesn't tell you very much. Uh, Yeah, if it's math, if it's hard sciences, if it's engineering, okay. But what does it mean if you have a political science degree, spoken as a person who has a political science degree, if you're going to an employer and saying, you ought to hire me? It doesn't really mean anything. Now, here's what you do know about a person with a BA, if you know what school they came from. So if the applicant came from Harvard, you know a whole lot about what that person was like at age 18 before he went to college. You know he had terrific SAT scores, then you know he had a terrific high school record or he wouldn't have gotten in. You don't know anything about what Harvard has added. The bachelor's degree all by itself is meaningless. Okay, destructive. Uh, Even though we know that the BA is substantively meaningless, it remains true that for millions of jobs, you can't get a job interview unless you have one. And the problem is that employers are behaving rationally when they do that because you've got about 32% of adults that have a BA. The employers know how clueless many of them are. Why should they go outside that pool and take even lower levels of the population in terms of their ability? And so a lot of ambitious kids who have no interest in sitting in classrooms for four years nonetheless want the piece of paper. They aren't there to get an education. They're there to get a piece of paper. Antediluvian. The four-year brick-and-mortar college is obsolete. 
Why should it be that the brilliant professor giving a lecture where he doesn't take any individual uh, relationships with students, but just giving a superb lecture, why is he giving that lecture to 150 kids who happen to be sitting in the hall? Why isn't it being given to millions? Distance education has all sorts of possibilities it didn't have before. The information revolution is giving us a cornucopia of new ways to help kids get an education. What we need is a transformation that gives young people a chance to tell employers what they know and what they can do, not where they learned it and how long it took them. Thank you. Thank you, Charles Murray. Our motion is too many kids go to college. And now to speak against the motion, Vivek Wadwa. He is director of research at Duke's Center for Entrepreneurship. In fact, you have a long list of academic credentials. You have uh, research and teaching positions at Duke and at Emory and at Harvard Law. You've co-founded and then sold successfully two software companies. John, I call myself a tech guy lost in academia. So that's the shortest way of describing it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Vivek Wadwa. You know... It must be because um, I'm an immigrant, uh, I'm a tech entrepreneur, I'm a foreign-born that I have a totally different perspective on this whole debate. You know, as an academic for the last six or seven years, I've been researching what's happening globally. I've been imp- researching the impact of globalization on U.S. competitiveness. I've been researching American schools versus other schools. And when I step back from that, my conclusion is that uh, these people in America are totally, completely out of touch. Now, I'm going to give you three perspectives on, on, on this. First of all, about U.S. education itself. Believe it or not, U.S. education is by far the best in the world. Everyone is trying to be like us. This is, you know, I mean, people from abroad take their life savings, all the money they can possibly raise, and invest in sending their kids to America because we've got the best schools. What do you gain from our schools? It's not the courses. It's really uh, the uh, knowledge. It's how to learn. You, you gain social skills. You learn how to interact with other people. And American kids come out the best and the brightest in the world. This is why America is what it is. Now, we can debate what what a college is. To me, a community college is a college. I know some great people who've gone to community colleges who have almost no debt, who worked part-time, been able to pay their fees off. Our community colleges in this country are also colleges, and they do are better than the best institutions in, in most other countries of the world. I don't know why we keep forgetting that. Now... I also taught, you know, teach at um, uh, several universities. I, I was in Tsinghua University, and my students brought up uh, Peter Thiel. He's quite a legend worldwide now. They were talking, they said, Professor, is there really an American investor who's paying children to drop out of college? I mean, they were sort of so confused. At the end of it, we talked about it, and they said, you know, this is great because we're going to eat their lunch. This, this is what they were thinking. They didn't say it. The rest of the world has learned our trick. India and China now graduate 1.5 million engineers a year. They're educating all their, all their people. And what's going to happen is that globalization is going to wreak havoc on industries. Already we're talking about manufacturing. We're talking about several industries now going offshore. It's going to happen more and more. I say we'd have to have every American getting at least a bachelor's degree and encouraging them to do master's and PhDs. Thank you, Vivek Wadwa. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. So now on to round two, and that's where the debaters address each other directly. We have two teams of two arguing this motion, too many kids go to college. I want to put a question to the side that's arguing for the motion and, and take on that American dream question. And Peter Thiel, we, we do grow up with the notion, I think you've acknowledged it, that in fact you felt straitjacketed by it, that you do go to college because you're supposed to go to college. And yet the other side is arguing that that's part of the dream, part of the American dream. So take that on because it's, 
I think that they're onto something with that. Uh, this is a very recent phenomenon that this is seen as an absolute necessity. And I think in, in many ways I would actually flip it around and I would say what's gone wrong with the American dream that we have to have people go to college uh, when that was never a necessity in the past. But so I'd, I'd actually flip it around. And, you know, this whole question, what sort of a good is college? Is it an investment in your future? I don't think it's a good investment because it's costing too much and there was no, seemingly no accountability whatsoever from the other side on the costs. And so I think the way to think of it is that it's basically become an insurance policy because the cracks in our society have become so big and what's gone wrong that we're paying so much for insurance. So, Henry Beenan, your opponent is describing more what sounds like an American nightmare in terms of the debt, in terms of having to do this, in terms of being the wrong thing for lots of people, and yet they go into it unthinkingly and get hurt by it. Can you take that on? Uh, I don't think it's a nightmare for people. Uh, I think most people come out of a college experience uh, feeling better. Um, It's a consumption good in that there's something good in and of itself of learning about uh, beautiful things and learning more analytical ways of thinking. Uh, It was Steve Jobs himself, the late Steve Jobs, who said uh, when he came back after dropping out of Reed and sat in on courses, he took a calligraphy course. And that calligraphy course gave him a whole new world of thinking about design. Who knows what in the college experience will trigger for people thinking about the world in a different way. Let me go to Charles Murray, and and maybe we want to discuss what the metric is. How do we describe whether college is worth it? And your opponent is saying, you know, you can learn beautiful ideas, and I I was an English major, and I speak English now superbly. (laughs) It's been very practical and useful for me. But, but, but seriously, is there, is, are we putting dollar and cents measurement on something that needs to be measured more broadly than that? Well, I, I, I'm not doing that. Uh, when I say that too many kids are going to college, I'm coming at it. Again, let's go back to the American dream thing. Uh, in 1960, which wasn't that long ago for somebody as old as I am, uh, only 8% of American adults had college degrees. So college was a big deal then. But 92% didn't, including most of the successful people in this country. Not having a college degree had no relationship to the American dream at all at that time. College did have prestige, but you didn't look down on somebody who hadn't gone to college. And one of the things we don't like to say anymore, but is absolutely true, is we do now. If you are just a high school graduate, you are a second-class citizen in this country. That is a kind of destruction of the American dream that I think it's becoming like a caste system, where if you go not just to a college, but to an elite college, the doors will open and you are going to be a success and you don't get into that. But they're arguing for more people to go to college, thus to presumably reduce the caste system. The caste system is real. I mean, how many people out in the audience can tell to a fare thee well when someone says what college they graduated from, you know very well, you go clicking through your mind and you can place that college as to where it is in in the... uh, in the stratification. Well, let me, uh, let me just tackle this whole globalization international thing. So I think there obviously are a lot of things that are very admirable about India, China. People have a great work ethic. They're uh, thinking very much about the future. And I do not want to at all underestimate uh, how serious the competition is or encourage people to be complacent. But the proposition we're debating today is, are too many kids going to college? And if you look at those countries, the percentage is much smaller. The U.S., there are about 40% of college-age students are in college. In China, the number is 20%. In India, the number is 10%. 
Yes, it's a smaller percentage of the population, but look at the industry in which everyone is moving, technology, engineering. 1.5 million versus about 100, 150,000 of ours. India has become, India now has an $80 billion IT industry, which came out of nothing at all in the last 15 years. How? By educating its people. Zero to $80 billion in right, 15 but years. But, but, but they're saying that the number of people being educated relative to the rest of the population is a tiny fraction. But, but that's because they don't have the resources to do it. They're putting everything they can into educating so people if, because if they're, you, they're trying. So if you were king of the world, would you educate everybody in India? Would everybody go to college? Absolutely. I would educate everyone in the world because it, it uplifts society. What it does is it, it improves because you know, low-level jobs are going to go away. Robotics are going to take over manufacturing in the next 10 years or so. So those jobs, which could be menial jobs that you could have, non-educated people doing are going to disappear. It's going to be a knowledge economy where everyone has to now do intelligent things or they're unemployed. Charles Murray. Look at the way the caste system persists because you have good jobs, which is being a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist, and then you have menial jobs. Now, tell me where it is written that we ought to be Respectfully, Charles, you're creating a new caste system. Let me finish my sentence. That we, we ought to think about what is more intrinsically rewarding about being a lawyer than being a cabinet maker? Why does that have, should that have any privilege over, over being a cabinet maker? There are a whole lot of jobs in this world which are wonderfully fulfilling that don't require a college degree, and we talk about them as being vocational training. That is a kind of invidious caste system in education that I want Charles, to destroy by getting you, rid of the college degree. Which jobs are you talking about? Because what, what the other side is arguing is that th- those jobs are disappearing due to automation, robots, etc. Uh, wait a minute. Skilled jobs. Look, you want to li- hire a lawyer or a doctor, you can do that in a nanosecond. You want to find good skilled labor? That's hard. Finding a good plumber, a good electrician to come and fix things, that's hard. We have a demand for a wide variety of skills. <laughs> a wide variety of skills that we aren't meeting because guess what? That's demeaning. Henry Bienen. But now Charles wants to overturn the uh, wage structure of the world, not just the U.S. He wants to overturn the return uh, to knowledge. I don't have any bias against craft skills, and I agree that sometimes they're in very short supply and they get a good return. But uh, if you believe at all in markets, I assume Charles coming from uh, where he comes from and with his ideas believes in markets, people pay a return to something that they think is relatively scarce or that they value in some way. And sometimes it's a great scientist, and sometimes it's a great artist, and sometimes it's a great craft person. But that's the way it works. So you can have a lot of complaints about college and cost, but now he wants to complain about the world wage structure. No, but you can't, no, no. Peter Thiel. Nothing Peter, to do with let's Peter Thiel. But, but you can't have it both ways either. You want to say on the one hand that college is an end in itself. It's an absolute good. We don't ask any questions about it. You can't, it's non-instrumental. And on the other hand, it is completely instrumental, and it's what leads you to getting a better job, a more high-paying job. You cannot have it both ways. But the jobs we're talking about, the plumbers and electricians, they're less than 1% of the U.S. population. What about the other 99%? You know, one of the great television shows on TV is Dirty Jobs. And have you ever seen it? Every week they go to a dirty job. But the thing is, you find out a couple of things. There are a huge number of ways to make your living. They are interesting. They are fulfilling. The people who are doing them, you'd like to know. One percent of the population. It is a great curative for the kind of way we are talking about the job structure, which has nothing to do with wages. It has to do with making a living in a way that is fulfilling and satisfying. Okay. I'm curious to know, for you to paint a picture, again, if you were king of the world, 
and these BA programs were shut down, or at very least people were discouraged from going to them, heard your message and stopped going. How many people would be left in college? What oh, percentage? You, and, and where would they be going to school? In my ideal world, the college campuses would be more full of students than ever. But they wouldn't be there for four years. Uh, somebody wants to go into a business, so they have some marketing courses they want to take and some business administration and accounting courses. It takes them a year and a half. And uh, they finish all the courses they want to take. And then there is a good certification exam, like the CPA exam for accountants. Uh, they take that exam, which doesn't have to consist of just filling in dots and circles. It can be work samples. It can be a variety of things. But you can take that to the employer and say, here's what I know academically about do you, business. Do you, do you two sides have common ground on this issue? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, because it sounds to me that when you're, when, you're, when you're defining this motion as being about a variety of forms of school and education. College. Community college is college. And, and Charles right. is also talking about a, a variety of forms of education. It sounds to me as though there's common ground on this. So you're just, just coming well, out of different... Some, some common ground. Well, I'm not so willing to con, uh, consign the BA for a year to the dustbin of history as Charles is. But I don't think everything will or should stay the same. I don't disagree with that. I don't believe, for example, take distance learning. I suspect we're probably on the same page. I think you're going to see more distance learning, even at the major four-year universities. It's going to happen. I'm for experimenting. Our law school went from everybody in a three-year law school program to some uh, people in a two-year program. I think the great universities will change. They should change. I I don't disagree with with Charles and Peter on that. I think we can close down the discussion. Uh, Charles Murray. <laughs> We've agreed. You know, all, all I'm asking is we don't put kids in this straitjacket of the BA and we enable them to get certifications that show what they know, even if they've done it all online, and that the BA loses its mystique. But, but, you're, but, you're, are, but are your partner, we agreeing that your, more your kids partner go to Peter, college spices the argument with a, by coming at it from a completely different direction, which is talking about the experience of college actually being a waste of, of great talent. Yeah. as opposed to a resting place well, for the mediocre. Well, I think what Charles and I agree on um, very much is that uh, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. There are certain skilled people, very talented people. Not every talented person should go to Harvard. There are a lot of different kinds of things different people should do, and I think that's sort of a basic starting point. We don't believe there is a single straitjacket, and the crazy thing in our society is that the more talented you are, the narrower the straitjacket has become. This is a very, very bizarre feature of it. We also agree that uh, learning is generally a very good thing. And I think we all four of us agree on that. But where there's a bit of a disagreement that I don't want to understate is that uh, a great deal of what masquerades as learning is nothing more than credentialing. Peter Hill, thank you very much. Now we're going to go to questions from the audience. Right down in the front will be first. Uh, My question is... I do analysis of high-tech gazelles all over the world, and I find that the social networks that individual entrepreneurs obtain, particularly while they're at universities and or graduate school, are absolutely critical for them getting, one, uh, trusting business partners, their first business partners, and two, angel investments. So I'd like for both sides to comment on the quality of the social networks that you get while you're in university. Peter Thiel. Well, I think think the social networks are quite valuable. it still is not clear that that justifies the colleges paying, charging a quarter million. I think the social networks tend to be the most valuable only at the elite colleges. Once you go below that level, uh, they actually function in a way where people, again, do not have access. So I think you have this very ambiguous aspect about how it works. Vivek? You know, um, it's not just the elite colleges, uh, a quarter million dollars. That's Stanford. The rest of America is not Stanford. Most colleges are much, much cheaper. 
and the interactions that students have are the same. It's not that the elite uh, you know, students at Stanford have a big advantage over the others. It's just that they happen to go, uh, go on a nicer campus. So the social network is equally important no matter where you go. Peter, you, you, you did say earlier that, that if you were to do it all over again, you would still go to Stanford. And can you take 20 seconds to explain why? Well, I, I didn't know what else to do. Um, and I think uh, I probably would not have known what else to do. And in some ways, I was probably a, a candidate uh, for, uh, for a good general liberal arts uh, humanities education in many ways. I was really interested in learning, was very interested in, um, in these things on, on their own terms. I don't think um, most people are like me. I think a lot of people are at a different, uh, at a different Peter, place. Peter, they are like you. They are like you. They you don't know, know what they want to be. It's... Um, you know, I don't, I don't think people are identical. And I think this is like... This is They're a not as big, smart as you, but they are like a, you, I tell you. But, 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 I know I this is a big philosophical disagreement we have we should not understate. I don't, I don't think everybody is cut from the same cloth. People are actually different, and we need to acknowledge the diversity that exists in our world. And we shouldn't pretend that everybody is the same and everybody should do the but same Peter, thing. Just like you didn't know what you wanted to be when you were young, most children don't know. They're muddling through it. They, they learn by interacting with other people and getting ideas from other students who have diverse backgrounds. That's how to decide what they're going to be. I think that most, uh, m- there were a lot of people already in high school who um, were not academically motivated. And there is something crazy about saying everyone has to be locked into a room and read books, uh, and, um, and that's, that's what we have to do. So right. I, I do think, I do Vivek, think they're, I, I, they're different I, I, in that way. Vivek, you made that, you've made that point very forcefully. I just want to go to another question. Uh, sir? Hi. Um, do you think there are fundamental reforms that could be made to higher education that would sway you to want to have more kids actually stay in college? Yeah, and do you mean the four-year classic? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that certifications uh, as a replacement for the BA is the way to go, and I think there are a lot of market forces working in that direction. And it would level the playing field. Let me repeat. I do not see our college campuses having fewer people on them. I see it having as many or more, but not locked into the BA straitjacket. I wanted to take to you, Henry Bean, in the question that, that Peter's opening point is that that is kind of the default position in society. Can you take that on? Is it too much of the default position? Well, one, I think one of the problems in the U.S. is that we haven't had a lot of other good options. I'm not against for more on-the-job training. Only 10% of our labor force has what the Swiss and the Germans would call on-the-job training. I'm not against that. Uh, Americans have decided they didn't want to go in that direction. They didn't want to stream the kids in high school really early. It's not a terrible option, at least to open it up. There's a question down the front room. Okay, um, hi, I'm Jessica Posner. My question is that it seems to me that in the, with the invention of the internet, technology, globalization, there seems to be less and less a concrete set of skills that people need to be successful in the world, but much more like what a liberal arts education, I think, maybe focuses on is developing critical thinking skills. And so how would a shift from a liberal arts or sort of a more, a broader education change the ability of our society to, to innovate and to continue to respond to changing demands? So Peter I, Thiel. I, um, I actually very much disagree with almost every premise implicit in that question, but just let me, let me, uh, let me just, I'll just flag, wow. I'll just flag one. The, the most concrete, <laughs> skill-oriented education people get is engineering degrees, and that is actually probably the one area, and I, we may even agree on this, where I think uh, the U.S. does not have an excess of engineers. So I, I would, I would uh, sort of 
uh, quibble with the question on that can, level. Can I, can yes. I come in here? Because I've been wanting to make this point. The, it, so much of this conversation from, uh, from Peter and Charles has been uh, a focus where they're negative about the general BA or the, presumably the humanities and social sciences. So let me speak up for the humanities and social sciences. Uh, so, the, you know, there are lots of smart people who think analytically and rigorously who take the humanities and social scientists, who are art history majors, God love them, and who are historians, and who learn Arabic, and who learn Chinese, or who learn Hindi, or who learn whatever. And we're going to send lots of those people. They need to have those languages. They need to learn cultures that are different from the U.S. They're going to be business people who go abroad. Uh, They're going to be diplomats, whoever they may be. So why should we only think that the only place to get an education which is rigorous, analytical, and will uh, serve you well is going to be in the engineering, uh, mathematics, but what's, and what's sciences. really going on in the Center for Nanofabrication and Molecular Self-Assembly? No, Those I, are not English majors look, hanging out in no, there, no, are they? Nothing I said is against the sciences. I sunk a fortune into the sciences, and we hired the best chemists and, and computer scientists we could hire, and that's great. You can do lots of things in a great university. Charles Murray. The problem is we are talking as if universities consisted of Stanford and Northwestern and Harvard and, and places like that. Very few kids go to those colleges. Most of them are at West Podunk State or its equivalent. Uh, and those are the places where you are getting the courses that are teach economics with magazine articles, that teach Shakespeare by having kids watch movies of, of Shakespeare's plays, but you don't ask them to read them. I'm not talking anecdotes. I'm talking surveys about the percentages of kids who graduate from college unable to write grammatical sentences. Critical thinking doesn't enter the realm of college life in those places. Well, okay. It's, it's interesting. The data shows, and the data is conclusive on this, that um, even in community colleges, which are basically two-year places, if you're in there for a period of time, like one semester, you have a better chance and you'll earn more money than if you never went. And this is true of two-year, four-year colleges, whatever. So, But how, it, how do you know that, that going to college is what causes that benefit as opposed to people who are able to achieve those sorts of things in life are the people who self-select to go to college? Well, it's not so clear often what's correlation and what's cause. On this one, I think we have lots of studies which show if you look at the number of years in college or the number of even months in college, it's extraordinary. It pays off. Peter Thiel. You know, I think, I think it pays off, but not nearly as much as um, you think, because I still think uh, there's, it's mostly correlation and just a tiny bit causation. But I want to quibble a little bit more with the uh, idea of the data shows and what this means. And we're always looking backwards. Um, and so in 2005, you could have said the data shows that housing prices always go up. And they are less likely to go up if they've gone up a lot. And so what I would tell you as an analytic truth, not an empirical truth, when people are paying way more than they ever have, there are going to be more people who've been hurt than who were hurt in the 50s or 60s when it was effectively free. Question right in the center with the... Yeah, thank you. If you could just stand up. We've heard that, uh, or some of you have compared uh, college education to a bubble. And I'm sitting here wondering whether it might not be a bubble, but rather inflation. Uh, So what I'm wondering is, do you feel like high school education, in the same way that it might have been sufficient for society in the 60s, is also sufficient for society today? Thank you. Charles Murray. 
Well, since I said that virtually everybody needs more education and training after high school, obviously I, I think that that high school is not sufficient. I do think that a great deal of what we talk about as a liberal education can be done at the K-12 level. There are things like the core knowledge curriculum that's created by E.D. Hirsch, which is just wonderful. And uh, it doesn't teach everybody a full-fledged classical education, but it gets a lot of the common cultural knowledge for everyone in K-12. We aren't doing it in college. I think we could do it there. Let me take one more question. Green? When I was young, I I read that uh, the majority of the CEOs in uh, Fortune 500 companies only had a high school education. Due to the deterioration of secondary education in the United States, isn't college, a college degree, a necessity to show that you have something that was once called a high school degree? Peter Thiel. Uh, well, I think high schools vary a lot. Some are still very good. A lot of them are not. Uh, but I, it seems to me that that's a perverse uh, cure for the disease. And so if that is the disease, we should be fixing K-12 through education. And I think probably all of us on the panel would agree that K-12 through education has a lot of room for improvement. All right. And I have to say that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. And here's where we are. We are about to hear brief closing statements from each debater. Our motion is this, too many kids go to college. And here to speak against the motion, Henry Bienen, President Emeritus of Northwestern University. Well, no one seems to doubt, um, including our opponents, that there is a wage premium and a benefit to college. Mr. Thiel uh, raises, I think, interesting points about causation, the uh, direction of causation. But I think it's clear also that going to college is in and of itself an effect. It's a variable which moves people uh, along in their lives, gives them more chance, and gives them more income, independent of all the other things that get them to college in the first place. Now, yes, there are too many people who are unprepared that go to college. And I agree with what Peter said at the very last minute, that it would be a perverse effect to uh, say, okay, college is going to be remedial for the lousy high school education that they got. The answer to that, which we're trying very hard to do in Chicago, is to improve the K-12 through elementary and high school education. And that's key. That's as key for society as it is to make sure that higher education is good and affordable for all. So the answer is not that too many kids go to college any more than it would be too many kids go to high school or elementary school because they don't get get a good education in too many of those places. So I think uh, the answer is very clear and that you have to decide in the negative uh, on the proposition that too many kids go to college. That is, after all, the proposition. It's not about cost. It's not about whether everything is perfect at every college in the, in the country. It's not about whether we should do everything exactly how we've done it. It is the proposition to too many kids go to college, and the answer is clearly and unequivocally that's a wrong answer. Thank you, Henry Beenan. Our motion is too many kids go to college, and here to summarize his position in support of the motion, Peter Thiel. He is PayPal co-founder, whose 20 Under 20 Fellowship Awards grant cash to young tech entrepreneurs. Uh, The one thing that was uh, clearly not done by the other side was to answer my question about where would the accountability be for all the people who get hurt by the system that costs too much and is not delivering. 
And uh, it is clear to me that there is no accountability on the part of our education establishment. They're not willing to give people refunds. They're not, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you get a Ford and it blows up, a Ford Pinto blows up, you can go to the Ford company and you can get money back for your car. You might even be able to sue them for torts. Um, such a mentality is unthinkable in the college case. And given that there is this lack of accountability, buyer beware. You are on your own. You take on the loans. It's worse than housing debt. You can never get out of it, not even through bankruptcy. Bush amended the bankruptcy laws in 2005, so you cannot get out of college debts for the rest of your life. And you need to think about this on your own. The way bubbles end is when people start thinking for themselves. Uh, And that is the first thing we want to encourage people to do. Think for yourself, is the cost worth the benefit? And uh, when more people think for themselves about this, uh, we will get to a very different equilibrium where there's less of a caste system, less of a, a social need to do these things for status reasons. People will still go to college. They will uh, still get advanced degrees, but there will be fewer of them who do it because there are a lot of people who are doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think that will be a much healthier and more balanced country. Thank you, Peter Thiel. Our motion is too many kids go to college. And now to summarize his position against the motion, Vivek Wadwa. He is director of research at Duke Center for Entrepreneurship and Research Commercialization. You know, what I heard from the other side was that if we define college the way middle America does, then we actually are agreeing that we want more kids to go to college. So I'm not going to spend my two minutes on that. I want to actually challenge my new friend Peter Thiel on something which is very dear to his heart about the fact that it is so expensive to go to college. That I agree with him on. It's also antiquated. The systems are antiquated. You know, think about it. Five or ten years ago, did you ever use uh, an iPhone or an Android? None of us did. I'll bet you everyone in the audience has one today. The fact is that it's now possible to communicate in ways we could never do before. We have these tabletized devices which can deliver 3D simulations, take us into 3D worlds. We can teach people by taking them into games. We can change the entire concept of education. He has the ability to do that. He's done it before with social network, with Facebook, he's done it with PayPal. He has the ability to do this. Instead of investing in uh, silly little social media technologies, why don't we put our joint efforts into improving education, into changing the way we deliver, the the way we educate, and changing the world? I I tell you, Peter, you can make it happen. So I challenge you here publicly to put your energy into improving education, into automating, into rethinking the way we educate so that the masses can get educated. Because all of us agree that we do want more people to go to whatever we call college. Again, I'm not going to define it as a four-year degree. To get more education so we can be more competitive, we can take on the world, we can change the world together. We're going to need it more than ever over the next few decades. Thank you, Vivek Wadwa. Our motion is too many kids... Go to college. And now to speak in support of the motion, Charles Murray. He is author of Real Education, Four Simple Truths for Bringing America's Schools Back to Reality. I I think that even though we're supposed to be diametrically opposed, in fact, there's a lot of common ground. Suppose we got rid of the BA because it doesn't mean anything. Suppose we had as the goal of education not this piece of paper, but we had as a goal of education that all children shall reach adulthood having discovered things they love to do and having learned how to do them well. If we take that as the goal of education, we will have a system utterly different from the one we have now, and it will not be college as we know it. It will not be four years. A lot of times it won't be residential. And most of all, it will not separate people into those who are college graduates and those who are not. The fact is that every career goes through a couple of phases. We all start out as apprentices. 
And after we learn our trade, we become journeymen. And some of us who get really good at it become master craftsmen. That is just as true of a history professor or a lawyer or a physician as it is of a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician. The kinds of changes we need to make to our educational system, sweeping fundamental reforms, getting rid of the BA, moving to certifications, has as its ultimate goal, in my view, something that is very important for an America that is increasingly stratified by class. And that is that it promotes a recognition among us that we are all engaged in the same process. We are not divided into professionals and service workers or blue-collar workers. We all start out as apprentices, we become journeymen, and we all strive to become master craftsmen. Thank you, Charles Murray. And that concludes our closing statements. We have been through all three rounds of this debate now, and it is time to learn which side you feel has argued best. So here are the results. The motion, too many kids go to college. Before the debate, 39% supported the motion, 40% were against, and 21% undecided. After the debate, 47% are for the motion. For the side for the motion, that's up 8%. Against is 46%. That's up 6%. Undecided, 7%. The side arguing for the motion just barely wins this debate. Our congratulations to them. And thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. We'll see you next time. It's been four years since we held that debate back in October 2011. As this year's graduates put on their caps and gowns, we here at Intelligence Squared U.S. wish them the best of luck on the road ahead. You can listen to the full, unedited version of this debate on the new Intelligence Squared U.S. app, which is now available in the iTunes Store and on Google Play, or on our website at intelligencesquaredus.org. You can vote, you can watch past debates, stream live debates, and ask me, John Donvan, your questions all through the app. Don't miss our next debate. Obama's Iran deal is good for America. Thank you for listening. And remember to think twice.